This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good for the win. Without further ado. That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. I'm just leave it up here. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely not. Spread the floor. Let's go. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, NBA Draft Edition. I'm Matt Moore, Senior NBA Writer, joined, as always, on our NBA editions by Brandon Anderson and Raheem Palmer. We're going to be taking you through the NBA Draft, all the props, everything available. Everything that we're talking about is, however, available on the Action Network app, which you should check out. We've got prop stuff. I will have my final props board up later today. We're recording this on Wednesday. I'll have that up for you to get your bets in. I've already bet a lot. I've been betting over the last month or so. Today's odds are provided to you by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Most of the odds we will talk about are available at BetMGM, uh, unless otherwise noted. Before we do that, however, heads up, several new podcasts are debuting next week from the Action Network including one dedicated just for NBA betting. So to hear me and the rest of our crew going forward, you need to subscribe to a new podcast debuting next week. It'll be called Buckets, but we'll announce and make that official announcement right here on the Action Network podcast feed next week. And we'll get you guys a link so you can subscribe and not miss an episode. Stay tuned. You can hear the chatter from the crowd. Uh, Raheem does not pay attention to college basketball and is too busy prepping for uh, NFL and having to sweat his Broncos over ticket uh, as I tried to warn him off uh, fervently after he'd already done it, which doesn't really make any sense. But I tried to do that anyway. He's not really worried about it. He feels confident their defense is going to be good. They're not going to be. They're going to be trash. Uh, I'm a Chiefs fan. But anyway, um, Raheem and I are gonna, and Brandon and I are going to talk about the NBA season wrap up. We never got a chance to kind of wrap up after the finals. Milwaukee Bucks, congratulations to the NBA champions. Congratulations to us for having uh, properly managed our futures bets to come out ahead in most cases, including Raheem, who was on the Bucks after game two. Um, I wasn't on them after game two. I'm going to I'm not even going to lie to you. It, I, it, I didn't figure it out until game four. Like I lost a lot of money on game four of the game Sun four. Series. Yeah. It, it kind of actually ruined me. <laughs> oh. Like I, I had, I had a lot of money on the Suns game for, and then that's when it, I, it hit me like, yo, this is Raptors bucks, but you were, you were up big from the conference semifinals. So yeah. you had done, you had done well. Um, let's, let's start here. All right. So the final four teams from 2020 in the bubble, all of them go out. Three of them go out in the first round. The other one gets swept in the second, which has led to the idea of like, you know, maybe that was just like a fluke situation. And I think that there's like, I personally, I think there's probably some validity to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's, it's entirely, I don't think it's like the Lakers aren't actually good. I think the Lakers are actually good, but they were so dominant because inside the bubble, Anthony Davis, one stayed healthy after three months off and two shot the lights out from on his jumper, which doesn't always happen. Uh, I think the heat got hot. No pun intended. I think that they had the right series of matchups and the Celtics kind of imploded in that conference final series. And that's how they made their run. And I think that they're not as good, uh, especially after they lost Jay Crowder. I think that that really knocked them down. I think Crowder was a big part of that run. Um, the Nuggets are one I can't really, I can't really tell on. They're in the, I have not decided. I think the Celtics were good. I think the Celtics had a down year this season is mm-hmm. kind of where I'm at. But my question for you, Raheem, let's start with you. 
if you're going to, if we're going to say you have to take the last two seasons with a grain of salt because of the pandemic, which I think is fair. Yeah. Which one do you think has the bigger or more grains of salt? Do you think it's the bubble and all the weirdness that occurred in there after a fairly normal start of the season or last year with COVID interruptions, exhaustion, a really terrible schedule, injuries and everything else. I definitely think it's last year. You have to take that more with the grain of salt because, you know, everybody was hurt. I mean, you look at James Harden, James Harden is one of the most durable players of all time, him and LeBron James and both of them went down. Um, the Celtics, they never re- like the Celtics to me were never, they never had a shot from, I mean, game one, you know, they were suffering injuries, COVID absences. It's just, everybody went down and this was, this season was the ultimate war of attrition, you know, at least in the bubble, you know, I think there were some mental health aspects to, you know, why teams slip, but for the most part, you know, everybody was on a level playing field. You can't say the same about this year um, as far as everybody being on a level playing field. So I'm taking this year with the more of a grain of salt, but I do think, you know, a team like the Bucks, they earned it. So I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to disregard their championship because I feel like, you know, the Bucks were never the same once they entered the bubble. Like they kind of lost that momentum. And this year they didn't have that momentum taken away from them. Brandon, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I, I agree that the, the injuries this year just piled up so much that we ended up, it, it felt like, you know, it felt like we ended up with the two teams in the finals that just outlasted everyone else yeah. in some ways. Yeah. And again, that doesn't take away from it. You got to still win the games and credit both of them. Phoenix survived a series in the first round with Chris Paul hurt. The The Bucks survived Giannis being hurt in the conference finals and won two games to make the finals. So you, you absolutely get credit for winning without your stars. Some of the most of none of the other teams won without their stars. That's the whole point. That's why they're in the finals. So you get credit for that. It just that there were so many injuries. I think though, last year had had more grains of salt to me, just because like this year there there were so many injuries. But that could happen any year, and for sure it seems like the injuries this year tied to the condensed schedule, the pandemic, all that. Like it's hard to uncouple those things. But any year we could enter the playoffs and see, you know, the ones you lose their star, you know, we can think of a lot of examples where that's happened. Every playoff has its own asterisk of the big injury or the luck or the tip in or whatever. Um, this year, the asterisks or whatever you want to call them seem a little bigger, but I felt like last year had so many more big grains of salt that were affecting things, things like you said, like, like some of the mental health things in the bubble, the, the social unrest that was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was literally a strike mm-hmm. in, in or, or, or like a, in the middle of the playoffs, we stopped playing and then kept going again a couple of days later. And I don't think we have any idea to understand like how that affected some teams differently yeah. than others and, and how mm-hmm. it affected the players and the coaches. There just, there was so much more last year. I don't think either one of them are an asterisk. Last year is what it was. This year is what it was. We have two champs. And, and they earned it. You know, it, it's, it, they played the, what was put before them and they won the title. So I, I, I guess to me, I feel like, like, I like to think of it as, okay, it's the end of the playoffs. 
And we, we have no way to know what the injuries would have been or what might have been otherwise. We can speculate, we can kind of guess, but knowing what we know now, if you look back, knowing everything you know now, but not the injuries, it's the start of the playoffs, but you've now seen this possible future timeline. It's the new start of this year's playoffs. Would you still pick the Bucks or, or the Suns to make the finals? Because I think I still wouldn't. And it doesn't mean that that takes away from what they did. I just don't think that even with the things I saw, they were better than I thought they would be. I just am not sure I would still pick them. I think the injuries played a huge role on both sides. Here's the bigger question. It's not about, it's not about redoing this one. We can't make money off what's already done, Brandon. Uh, yeah. The bigger question is, does winning the title fundamentally shift who they are? Because a lot of times the team wins a title and that the confidence and what they learn from that process opens up new stuff like i had the bucks on my top five props for now like i've I've already bet the five that are on my list i bet Mm. nuggets i bet warriors i bet mavericks i bet i bet bucks at plus 850 i think there's value there not a lot i think i I think there's value there as well um so that's kind of question is like it's i do i'm with you brandon in terms of coming back and being like yeah, but but James Harden and Kyrie are like they went seven with no Harden and no Kyrie. Like Brandon, here, here's here's a bigger question: is like, is there anybody? We, we gotta see free agency. There's always no, you know crazy stuff that can happen. But right now, is there a team outside of Brooklyn that you think beats the Bucks? Yeah, I mean, when you posted your futures column, and I guess my my takeaway from what I was saying is kind of, I think the opposite a little bit of your takeaway, which is my response to your futures column. I, I wrote you, I said, you know, just, just let me put all my five units on the nets. I just feel like, like, I, I feel like I'm looking at the nets. We saw how it played out. The guys got hurt, but it, it sure was looking inevitable right up until the guys got hurt. It sure looked like we, we all sort of had that feeling of like, oh man, how did we not just see that this was just going to happen? There's so much. I mean, it was literally there. inevitable. I think if it, into, oh my God, I'm sorry. Yeah. But, <laughs> that's all right. I, I, I feel like it, it, it's the Nets. And if it's not the Nets, then it's the Lakers because of the same thing. It's just, it's overwhelming superstar talent. And that's what happens in the NBA unless the overwhelming superstar talent gets hurt. I'll say this. I, I've, I have liked the Bucks matchup versus the Lakers the last two seasons. If the Bucks had not gotten knocked off by the Heat, I would have loved them in the finals matchup versus the Lakers. Um, how the Lakers want to beat you. They want to beat you with size. size mm-hmm. and size and defense. The Bucks are basically, okay, how about if we're just as big as you, only we're not 100 years old and yeah. we're not completely brittle. Like, I don't like the idea of Anthony Davis going up against that physicality. Don't like it at all. I don't like the idea, like as bad as, as I talked about the buck shooters, they finally came through. Like, this is a lot of it for me is like the buck shooters mm-hmm. finally came through Raheem. Like they finally made, made shots that they needed to. Yeah. You know, it was so funny. The, I, I didn't mean to cut Brandon off, but that net series was inevitable up until the time when Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown, Bowen base. I mean, not Bowen. Bruce Brown basically decided that he was going to close out the game (laughs) (laughs) with floaters. Like if Kevin Durant (laughs) or Kyrie Irving takes those shots, I mean, we're looking at nets in the finals. So So, here's, here's my one caveat. And like, look, there, there will be a time to bet the nets. I don't think it's now. I agree. Like, I think the number's bad now. 
They're the lowest on yeah, the board. That's, that's true. Like the Nets are plus 225. We are a year away from the finals and they're plus 225. Yeah. Um, like that's a, like they have, I, I get it because the books are basically like, we don't want your Nets money now. Like we don't want it now. We know how favored yeah. they are. And I get that, but that number is bad. We will build a Nets position over the next year on, on uh, our, our podcast. That, that's the thing we will yeah, do. I think that's something that you've always been good at. Like you've been good at building positions and knowing when to take, a, you know, teams that, you know, are favorite and, and hitting them on the down spots. It's almost like, you know, Haralabob Volgaris. He was able to get the Shaq and Kobe Lakers at like four, like six to six to one when they were in the middle of turmoil. So I think you have to kind of wait for those spots. Right. So you're just trying to trying to build it up. So there'll be a time to bet the Nets. Here's my one caveat with the Nets. Kyrie Irving has had one healthy season over the last six years. No. Yeah. KD had a whole bunch of stuff last year. Yeah. And, and we know that guys coming off the Olympics, that it's, it's not great. And we're on this like extended long season and then no off season for him. Like, Paddy Kelly. Also, ha- the Paddy NBA Kelly's- just came out. Go ahead. The NBA just came out with some news saying that they're basically, you know, they're going to stop calling all of these fouls. So yeah. maybe Harden is a different player next year. All right. So all of this, I think, combines where I think we'll we'll be on the, when the win totals come out. We're going to be on the Nets over. I think, depending on what they do in free agent in free agency. I think we'll probably be on the over. I actually think that I'll be on the under because okay. I feel like I feel like I'm looking at the Nets regular season as just a throwaway. Here's like the problem: Grant they sits did some games out. Harden they, sits them out. Yeah, Ky- they Kyrie literally did that this year, Brandon, and they Brandon. still wound up with a two seed. That's my problem. Is like they were so good this year, <laughs> no team cared less about the regular season than the Brooklyn Nets, and they still wound up with a two seed. So, like, yeah, I think fair. we got to take the over, and I don't think that the, that the title bet's gonna be bad. You ju- we just got to wait for the number. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this up and move to some NBA draft props. Raheem's going to bounce. Raheem, you can check out Raheem's great work on NFL coverage as well as boxing. And I think next year, you guys have inspired me. I'm going to start doing some draft stuff because I see I have to actually pay attention to college basketball. All right, you can catch Raheem on the Action Network. You can follow his picks there as well as you can catch him on Twitter as well in the episode description. Thanks for joining us, Raheem, and we'll talk to you guys again. We'll talk to you again soon, and we'll do some NFL NBA draft props. This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. 
Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-88-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Brandon Anderson, it is NBA draft time. My head is spinning. So last year I, I did really well on draft props. I took Killian Hayes uh, under 10. I took Cole Anthony under 20. Um, my draft props, we went, I think, four and one last year. Uh, and it was great. And I felt very good about it. That inspired me to go deeper. And now I'm concerned because I think I've gone, I think I, I'm in that. Oh no, I've gone too far. Like I've, I have a lot of props out there that I've already bet. Uh, I will write up the ones I like the most on action. I have a lot of information based off of talking to, to League Intel. Before we get started, I want to kind of explain um, my process. Brandon's done a series of really great in-depth profiles of the draft prospects. If you want to know more about who these guys are, go to actionnetwork.com. Um, or the Action Network app, and just find they'll be all over the pages in terms of there'll be profiles from Brandon on a lot of the major prospects, deep dives, it, really great information. We want to talk about how to bet this NBA draft. My intel, um, or my process rather, is, is a I'm trying to synthesize a couple of things. One is what I've heard from the league, like from people there around the league and what they expect. A lot of that is not this team told me that they like X because teams don't do that. Like that is not a thing because they want to keep it as secret as possible. But what you will hear is teams are like based off of whatever Intel that they've gathered, they have penciled in, you know, said team to go here or wherever. Some of this is generated by agents. I'm not going to lie that agents have a big part in this process in terms of influencing what I hear. Okay. Not that I'm talking to agents, but like they will say things and they get circulated. There is noise and you're trying to sort out rumor from legit and that has risks. I try and synthesize that with what mock drafts from guys that do actual draft consulting do for some of the teams. And there's a very select few that I kind of rely on for that. Um, Brandon and I are going to talk about best fits, about the, the logic of all these. Brandon, let's, let's start at the top. Okay. Um, at BetMGM right now, Cade to go number one is minus 5,000. So not great value to take the number one pick <laughs> for Cade Cunningham. Uh, based off of anything that we have seen or heard, is there anyone else that you would want to bet at number one? Because you like the long shots, I know. Yeah, there's definitely no one else I want to bet at number one. I, I think it, Cade Cunningham is going to go number one. Uh, if it's possible... Maybe, maybe that Cunningham goes number one, not to Detroit. Maybe someone else does make the trade up with Detroit, but if they do, it's going to be for Cade. So I, I don't see a scenario where Detroit sticks at number one and does not select Cade Cunningham. If they do choose, he's not their guy. Maybe I don't buy it, but if they do, I think it has to be on a move down. So I definitely want no part of not uh, of betting on anything except Cunningham. And I'm not betting on him either. 5,000. No, thank you. <laughs> He's plus 3,500 to go number two. Right. 
I mean, that's that's the flip side. If you, if you want to play it, that's the angle. That's the angle. If you want to just play play the possibility. If you're a Pistons fan and you're a sports nihilist like me and, you, <laughs> and you're locked in on Cunningham and just like worried it's not going to happen, that's your angle. Make a few bucks off of it at least. So I, I don't mind that play just because, okay, what is that? Like a 3% chance? Is there a 3% chance of the Pistons just think that they're the Celtics and they've evaluated and decided that they found their Tatum while everyone else has their faults. Yeah, sure. There's a 3% yeah. chance of that. So I don't mind, I don't mind that, but I think it'll be Cade. Okay. So it, here's my thought on it. Um, after the lottery, I said, I wrote this and I tweeted it. I said, I can't wait for Cade Cunningham to be the number one pick every single week until the last week before the draft. And then suddenly it's well, but maybe he's not number one. And then he goes number one. So that's like the big picture view. But then there's trapped in the moment me that has heard that the Pistons have the, here's the biggest thing is just the, well, there, there's two things here. If it was that Kate is a, is a number one lock, he's going to be a franchise superstar. He's Luka Doncic. It would be different. I talked to two guys that work at analytics for teams. And they both told me that Cade does not grade out as well as he's projected. That it's basically like, no, yeah, like Cade's gonna be great. Not gonna be a superstar. It's gonna be great, but yeah. not gonna be a superstar because the production isn't there, even when you factor for his teammates at, at OK State. So it's like there are scouts that agree with that assessment. Not all of them, but there are scouts that agree with that assessment that no, yeah, Cade's gonna be a really good player that helps you win but he's not going to be a give him the ball yeah, on like for 80 possessions a game. Right. Uh, yeah. I agree. So, or for, you know, 40 possessions a game. So if that's the thought process that opens up enough of the thing where I can see either them trading the pick, but in that case, he still goes number one. Right. Or they talk themselves into Jalen green. There's a lot. Look, there are a lot of people that think Evan Mobley is the best player in the draft. Like yeah. that, that it is a not, I might be one of them. <laughs> yeah, it is a not insignificant amount of people that think that Evan Mobley, as much as it's like really a big, he's switchable. Yeah. He's versatile. Like he checks all the boxes for a modern wing. I, I will look, I'll just I'll go ahead and say I've bet Kate on a flyer at 35 to one. I haven't like, yeah. I'm not sitting here telling you I love this pick. It's my lock of the day. Like we don't do that here at action, but no. I'm not, I am not going to write Kate in my props article. I bet him number two, because I don't see any scenario. Like there are two, two ways that this goes. A team trades up and takes somebody else, which is unlikely or and then the Pistons just take Kate anyway. Like if somebody says like, hey, we want to trade up and we want to take, you know, Mobley number one for some reason. I don't know why, but they want to do that. Right. Right. Because uh, like, think of it that way. If somebody told you that you could do that, you could, here's the thing is if you could get assets and you don't think that Kate's a guy, then you could do that deal. Um, if he falls at two and the Rockets are still there, the Rockets are going to take him. That's it. Like there's, there's no scenario that the Rockets do not take him at two. And if he is there, the Rockets will not trade out of the two spot. Like they will wait to see if Cade doesn't go number one and then take Cade at two. That's how much they like Cade, right? So if I know Cade is going to go is going to go top two, 
I don't have any risk of him falling. To me, at 35 to 1, it was worth it. Um, the intel, Brandon says, the, the, the order, this is what the, the consensus is amongst people I've talked to. Yeah. And this is, this is reflected in the drafts. Like the mock drafts are all like this because that information at the top is public enough. It's Cade, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley to the Cavs, Jalen Suggs to the Raptors, Scotty Barnes to the Magic. That's the top five. Um, Kaminga is still listed in there, which I think is weird. Like he was number five on the initial boards. And that was, you and I were just like, we were salivating trying to get a Kaminga prop on the board so we could bet the over. Um, Kaminga is not on the board for props at that MGM, which is frustrating. Uh, I have bet him at other places. However, at uh, five and a half and six and a half over. Um, Barnes, on the other hand, you know, he's he's plus two twenty five to go fourth. Yeah, what's your? Give me. I want to hear your take. I don't know if you've done a profile on him. Give me your your breakdown on Scotty Barnes. Yeah, I did. I just had a profile on him just yesterday. He's the last one that I'm doing, I think. So, I I on the night that the lottery happened, the Raptors obviously are one of the teams that moved up. I think they were supposed to have been like seventh or eighth, and they moved up to fourth. And I was bummed because my mock draft before that, I had Scotty Barnes going to the Raptors. I really liked that specific fit for them. Uh, he, he feels like a very Raptors player. So, so here's Scotty Barnes. Defensively, awesome. Just absolutely awesome. He's, he's super fluid. He, he's got fluid hips. He moves well laterally. He's super long. He's got like a seven foot three wingspan. Like think of it as he's basically kind of like the height of a wing with the length of a center and he played point guard this season. And if that doesn't sound like a modern basketball player, I don't know what does. Here's the problem. Like the defense is going to play. The defense is very good. You know, you're hearing like the Draymond green thing, which nobody is Draymond green, but just like the versatile, the switching thing, being able to guard a lot of positions, all that's true. He's like picking up opposing guards 75 feet from the hoop. and, And just because he can just to pressure them, he plays with high effort. Coaches love him. People rave about him. The problem is I don't know if he can play offense in the NBA. He can't shoot for anything right now. The shot is not there. He's a really nice passer, like a genuinely good, not good for a big, like just a good passer. That's why he played point guard. But you can't be a good passer and not have other offensive skills. Otherwise, you're Ben Simmons, and we know that this doesn't work in a lot of teams. You need to have other stuff that goes with you. If you don't have the ball in your hands enough, you don't get to use all that passing. So my take with Barnes is this. I think the high-end Barnes outcome is really good, like a championship caliber player because of the versatility, the defense, it's all great. The problem is that the low-end outcomes, I think, are, are pretty bad and like not playable. And I think that he's a higher-variance guy, and I understand the fourth or fifth thing. I agree. I don't, I don't think there's value in playing him to go five now that the odds have juiced so high. I don't mind the value at four. I actually wrote about that as a possible pick a few weeks ago, but even that number is not super great at this point. Um, I, it, it's weird too. I really don't like him to Orlando. I don't understand why that's the team that wants him. Of all teams, Orlando has length and defense. What they need is someone to soak up usage and possessions and shoot the ball while like Jonathan Isaac and Chumo Kiki do their defensive complimentary stuff around him. That's not where I want Scotty Barnes. I, I'd love him to 
to Golden State, theoretically, if the timeline fit better. I like him in Toronto. I, I like him a lot. Um, he, he's going to be a fan favorite, but he definitely ha- is more of a, a swing or miss sort of guy, I think. But we don't, I, I guess to think, I don't care about fit in top 10. I, I don't, I don't care. I like, it's irrelevant. Yeah. It's they, no one yeah. drafts fit top 10. You don't draft fit honestly until 15, like 15. Yeah, I, I think that that's, you start looking at I, that. I think that's fair, but I think that part of part of that's part of my concern with Scotty is that I think that like, I, I consider team fit and team building a lot when I'm thinking about players and player value. And I think that he has a, a difficult team fit. I, I think because of his extremely limited offensive skill set or role, like when, when it would go to the half court offense, he would literally just be standing almost off the screen, like out in your half court, like, all right, well, let me just get back and play some defense now. And now you're playing four and five. And, and like, like think of Ben Simmons again, like you need a specific sort of offense and four specific players around him. And so I think you have to at least consider that a little bit, like who, who do we have and who are we adding to our team? So I agree, you know, like, if you're drafting this kind of lottery, it's because you need a star. And if you think Scotty's going to be that star, you just take him and you figure the rest out later. But I think he's an interesting player for sure. Well, let me ask you, like, would you bet, would you bet his prop? Like, yeah, I think I wouldn't right now. I think, I I think uh, when I wrote the column a couple of weeks ago at plus four, I think he was like four fifty. And at that number, I think I would, if that were number were still available, I think I might be willing to, to take a shot on it. Um, it does. Th- there is starting to be a little bit of, of Kuminga E sort of vibe to Jalen Suggs. And here's what I mean by that. For a long time, we had, okay, here's the top five, but we always would list the guys off in some order, but Kuminga was the fifth guy always. It feels like, like he's out. He's not in the top five now. We kind of yeah. know that it sort of feels like we've moved to four and that Suggs is four. Like whatever the top three is, it's really hard to imagine at this point, Mobley and Green not being two and three in some order. Like it seems like we know who the top three is. Even even the books have been listing from like who are the exact top four and switch it to the exact top three. And it just like my, my spidey senses tingle a little bit on when there's the guy that everyone agrees is the bottom in a tier then I just wonder, like, all it takes now is what if Toronto just doesn't really like Jalen Suggs? Or what if they're confident Lowry's coming back and they got Lowry and Van Vliet <laughs> and, the, and they want a forward or a center? <laughs> I know, I well, know. Spoiler alert, they do not. They are not confident that Kyle <laughs> Lowry is coming confident. back. <laughs> you know, but, like, what, what if they just don't like him? Well, what if they feel like he's too similar of a game to yeah. Fred Van Vliet, who I actually think he is similar to? Like, all it takes is them not liking him yeah. and then Barnes is in play. Okay, so I, I think... At, at four look um one thing i have tried to do in the past with props betting for the draft is try and single in on what the early rumors are there's this idea that like well it ch- you know it change and it can like you could be really high on a guy early and then do an interview or an individual workout and it can change barnes very early was talked about as raptors of four um there's risk here on a number of levels. Um, and, and the reason is, so Barnes to go fourth is plus 225. And Suggs to go fifth uh, is at MGM is plus 425. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. That's the play. If, if you're going to bet Barnes at four, you absolutely need to bet Suggs yeah, at five. five. The, the magic because, will not. Yeah, here, here's the big thing. Yes, the yeah, the, the magic will not let one of Barnes or Suggs go past. Yeah. But that is consensus is that if it's Barnes, great. If it's Suggs, great. So even if somebody completely screws both of us and jumps up and takes Kaminga at three or at four, rather, the magic are still going to take Suggs at five because he's yes. considered better than Barnes. Yeah. And then Barnes is the one that slips. Um, so, so, so then if you don't want to play both of them, then by that logic, shouldn't you just play Suggs? Because if a team jumps up, they're jumping to four to maybe take someone else, a Josh Giddy or someone, and that's worse odds. Why not just play Suggs at five and you're getting like I, I was saying, I would have I would maybe play this if I was still getting the 450. Well, we're getting almost that number to do Suggs at five, which is kind of the same bet as what we're saying. So why yeah. not play just that one instead? Is is that not kind of playing Barnes to go four in the same way? We're, it's, it's playing Suggs not to go four, basically. I think you're getting EV on Sugg, yeah, I think you're getting EV on Suggs not to go for at plus 425. Like, I think that's value at fifth. Yeah. At fifth. I don't, I don't see Suggs following past, past Orlando. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I also don't know that I really see a path for him going higher, in part because one spot higher is Cleveland at number three. That doesn't make any sense to me that Cleveland, Cleveland has Sexton and Garland and Suggs, again, wow. you don't take for fit, but like, well, That's, they can't keep drafting a point guard every well, single season. They're not going to have Sexton after this offseason. Sure. But that's, I'm that's just saying the, like. So that's the concern, right? Is like they is that they negotiate a sign and trade for, for, uh, for they trade Sexton because they don't want to give him the max, which is out there. Uh, and then they take Suggs as basically like the guard replacement. They play and they play Suggs and Garland together. But, but why would you, again, I know you're saying like, you just take the best talent, no, but, but, like, you're but this is really building, important. But this is really a team. important though. This is really important is that I'm with you. Like I, this is how I used to think is like, you can't do this. Like this doesn't make any sense with your roster construction. And then like, I, I got into conversations about this with people that, that build the teams and they're just like, there's no, like you will just wind up hurting yourselves and you get fired for not taking the better player because you're worried about your, about how it fits with your team. And like yeah. self-motivation is a big part of this. If you're the guy that drafted a star, that's a tip in your cap. Like that, that's a feather in your cap. So like, yeah. and it's, it's not even the, it's not even like, well, it's clear. Like you just figure out like, well, these guys are clearly better. You can't, like you can't separate the, the way that this, the, the draft kind of tears break down is there's top three. There's well, there's a, there's a differential on whether or not you think Cade is clearly better. Like some people think that there's like Cade and then a drop off and then two and three, and then a drop-off. Or there's people that think the top three are together, and then there's a drop-off. But that's, like, where we're at now. It's, like, top three, drop-off, Suggs and Barnes, drop-off, and then the rest of the way, right? Um, that's one of the problems is, like, look, draft, I think trades are on the board uh, for, for ev everybody is, is open. The conversations have been, I think, tough because there's not a lot of veterans that are available. That's the kind of the weird thing. Usually picks are more available than veteran or picks are more scarce than veterans, but now it's the opposite. Like you can get picks, but you can't get veterans. Toronto's a real threat to move down. And I don't know how to kind of factor that in. Like who does someone trade up to get at four? Well, to me, the, the question 
I think that's the wrong question. To me, the problem is why are you trading down? We, we literally just said, we all agree on the top three. We all agree on the top five. Like this top tier has really separated itself and become very clear to me. The problem in this draft last year in the draft, we didn't really have that top, top tier of guys. And, and so all the rest of the lottery felt like everyone was reaching a little bit because everyone else got pushed up this year. We have those top guys. We all agree on them. We're missing that like six to 10, the second class guys. And so we've got this big middle class that starts jumping up and we're like, Oh, well I got to take one of these guys at number six. Can I trade down? Well, if I'm four or five, why would I want to trade out of that top tier? I, I won the lottery literally. And I'm in that group in that spot. Now, why would I give up if I'm, if I'm giving going out to get a veteran? Sure. That's different. But why do I want to move down out of this clear top tier into like the morass of 20 other people that no one knows what order they're going to go in? Because Toronto, I think, is, is trying to work out something larger. I think that's part of the conversation. And I also, I think a lot of it is just that Toronto doesn't view. It, here's the thing is like, we're taking this based off of like consensus evaluation is what I'm doing going on. And you kind of agree right. that there's like top three and then it's Barnes and Suggs and then a drop off, right? Do you agree on that? Um, more or less. I, is there a guy me, that is got, a guy that you think belongs in that top tier? That's not we haven't talked about. I, I have Jaden Springer in in my yeah. second tier with Suggs and Green. I have Caden we'll, Mobley we'll, top two, and then yeah, Springer. We'll, we'll come we'll back. Get, to we'll him, we'll get to Springer. Don't don't trust me. I need you to to soothe my fears. <laughs> um, but if if there's not a guy out that we don't, no one thinks that Springer's going that high. So right, right. If he's not, if he's not that high, then it's like, okay. But if you're, if there is top three and then four and five are basically the same, if you're the Raptors and you're just like, yeah, but we don't like Suggs or Barnes. We're just not blown away by it. And if you can pick up multiple picks later, you'd probably do that because they are looking at like their conversations have been about overhauling a lot. They're not looking at small moves. They're looking at major moves. Um, I reported this yeah. week on action network about their conversations with the, the Sixers, uh, for a ridiculous offer that they turned down, I should note. Um, but like they are, their interest in, in their interest in Simmons is referred to as substantial. It is not a passing glance. Like the Raptors have actually made serious calls about Simmons. They haven't gotten serious offers in return, but they've, they've actually, they have interest in those things. They are looking at overhauling. And so if that's the case, then I do think like a trade down is at least plausible. Um, but at the same time, to me, if you're going to trade up, the only guy that you trade up to get at four is Suggs. Like you, that you're the guy that looks at and says, if you know that Orlando is not going to let one of those two go, and you know that the Raptors are like, well, we're not really sold on either one, and we may just take Barnes. And you're like, well, okay, if you take Barnes, I'm still, I still can't get Suggs because the Magic are going to take him then I think that's probably, that's probably still it with, you know, Suggs yeah. going four. That's the risk with betting Suggs five, right? But I think I still think at 425, there's probably value based off of how hyped um, Barnes is at this point. Um, for yeah. reference, and if we want to look at on BetMGM, Barnes uh, is not on the board for, the, for his prop uh, differential, yeah. like player that's- position. I think those at, top five guys don't really have that, do they? At, at well, one book, uh, under five and a half is minus four hundred. 
yeah. That that's how heavily Scotty Barnes is is projected to go top five. So like, so what's it, the what's the over? It's plus two seventy five. You're not even getting great value on the other side of it. Yeah. I mean, are you? Do you want to bet plus two seventy five on on Barnes over? Based off of the fact, no, that I mean, you, I'm just, uh, I'm no, I'm asking, not betting them. I'm asking because yeah. like you like to take these shots. And if you're like, I don't think he's that good. Well, it's just when I hear, when I hear a prop and I, and I think one side is ludicrous, then I, you know, like, well, not ludicrous, but like, there's no chance I'm betting the minus 400. I just, I don't like to pay that yeah. sort of juice on things. Yeah. So if I see that, then I, then I ask myself, well, then what's the other side? Yeah. So, so I asked, I, I don't think I want to play it, but you know, if you don't like Barnes, if you feel like he's just not going to fit those two teams, then that's a play, but it, the, all the intel certainly points to him being pretty safely in that group. All right, let's let's get into this. Is where it gets messy. Okay, my yeah. if we talk about tiers, top three, four, and five. To me, six through fifteen is liquid. Maybe maybe yeah. six through fourteen. Maybe six through twelve. Um, yeah, I, I would say like six to twenty-five. Like I legitimately think that there's going to be guys that are in the twenties in mock drafts that go in like the top 10 and everyone's like, what? And then I think there's gonna be guys that are going like eight and nine. They're going to slide quote unquote all the way to 20. I just think it's so fluid. I think that this next tier is just this big ooey gooey middle class of prospects. Do you have a guy that you think is going to go higher? I mean, is this is this where I get to talk about Jaden Springer? That's this right, is my yeah, guy. This is the guy that. Yeah. yeah, let's let's talk about Springer. Go ahead. So so here's what I like about Jaden Springer. He's he's a very high floor prospect, I think, because he's he's good at everything. He doesn't have he doesn't have a he, he's good at everything without being great at something. And those sort of prospects tend to be undervalued because we love to to talk about this guy's jumper or this guy's defense or, you know, like fill in the blank. We love to, to put them into a bucket of, Oh, I know that guy. He's this prospect because he has this skill. Springer doesn't really fit that because he has a, a quieter, more rounded game. Um, but he's, he's a very good defender. He really locks in, plays high effort, high energy on that. And he's going to be a good guard defender, which is only so valuable admittedly, but he's going to be a good team construct guy. He, uh, fit, fits well in a lot of team concepts. Like I think he slots into a roster well because he can play on or off the ball. His shooting numbers this year were good, though not super high volume. So there's a little bit of concern there, but free throw looks good. The shot looks confident. He can dribble. He can pass. He can create for himself. He can create for teammates a little bit. He's not great at any of those things. The one thing that, that was a bit of a concern this year, he's not super bursty. Like he's not going to be the guy to just attack the rim or just, you know, beat his guy on his own. But, and, and here's the key, here's where I really like Springs and why I think he's being undervalued. So to me, Springer and Suggs are, are somewhat comparable to each other in, in sort of their like understated nature of their game. I don't think either one of them is going to ever be like a big time NBA scorer sort of guy. They're going to be like a winning player, Kyle Lowry, Van Vliet sort of guy, which I love. I love those guys. So Here's the thing, though. Number one, Jane Springer played hurt this whole season. He is playing on a sprained ankle that he kept re-injuring. And a lot of the reports of the combine this summer that he looked a lot healthier and he looked he had that pop again. So of all the things we didn't like about him, if it's that burst, that first step, well, that jives with a thing that would have been hampered by an injury. 
Number two, Tennessee had horrendous spacing and offense this year. They had no shooting. It was a really rough spot for him versus Gonzaga, which had like one of the best situations you could possibly ever have had for a point guard. All the spacing, all the modern offense, and Suggs is 15 months older than Springer. I really value, especially at the top of the draft, youth, because youth means unknown, and unknown can mean upside. And here's what I keep asking myself. If you swapped them and said, okay, Jaden Springer, get healthy, develop 15 months to be Jalen Suggs' age, and now put that Springer into Gonzaga's offense and Suggs' place, could he have led that team to the national title game and undefeated season along the way? And I think he absolutely could have. So I have Springer in my tier with Suggs. I just think he's a he has a very high floor to be a very good contributor, like a like think like a George Hill or Malcolm Brogdon player. I think that's like a, a median outcome, but I think there's a lot more upside than people are giving him credit for. It, it baffles me, despite all of what I just said. I have a number five on my board. He's in my second tier, but then I read boards. I read all the intel. Everything I see is, oh, Springer, like 25th, 30th, 22nd. Like, I think that's his over-under, 22.5. I don't know. I don't understand what I'm missing or what everyone else is missing because there's a real cognitive dissonance, and I'm not usually this far off consensus on on a player. I will say, though, draft Twitter yeah. uh, does does like Springer. Not quite as much as me, more like 10th than 5th, I think, but they do like him. So, I don't know. What, what do you think of the case for Springer? So... <clears throat> let's talk draft Twitter for a little bit. Springer was one I identified almost immediately because the guy that I trust most on this stuff has him fifth on his board too. And um, so I bet Springer out the gate at 23 and a half minus 110. When the, bro- when the props first hit, I hit that every book I could find it at. Um, so I, I've, I have built on Springer. I have more on him. Their draft Twitter can be it's messy because there are guys in there that are in quote unquote draft Twitter that are just like guys that really love prospects and dive into it and are part of the conversations. And then there's guys in there that do legitimate. They've done work for teams and they have like high level expertise in this stuff. The gap there, I think, is significant. Um, Draft Twitter will also all latch onto a guy and they'll be higher on him. Yeah he won't go as high as they think that he should. Like that's a, that's a real thing where, and I think the the gap there is likely Intel on the background um, or the interview. Right. Like I think that's probably got something to do with how those conversations evolve. Look, draft Twitter. There's a, there was a a guy that that actually did the, uh, some folks actually did an amalgamation of where they're at. Uh, They have Springer, as the 10th pick overall with uh, the highest was four and there's, and the low was uh, 35. So that's like a wide range, right? Because again, you got a lot of yeah. folks in this thing. And that's there's, out of like 96, 96 boards, I think too. So there, that's not yeah. just a couple outliers. That's, that's a lot of work in there. He's a high IQ player, which I really like at this yep. point in time. I think, I think in general executives are more concerned with, can you play than are you athletic? is a good defender. He's all around. He's productive and he's a playmaker. He makes other guys better, which again is something that a lot of teams are looking for. 
Yeah. Uh, I did ask somebody yesterday for kind of like a, a bigger deep dive. And, and one of the things that they mentioned was they were like, everything that he does offensively is off the hop step. You do that in the NBA and you're going to get blocked. Yeah. Like that's like a, yeah, a real true. concern. He shot 40% from three, but it was only on 45 attempts. His shot yeah. release is like painfully slow. It's a, he's got a really slow release. My only thing is if you're, if you're a team and you're looking at that and you're like, you know what, if we give him 800 reps a day, he's going to like, yeah. we're going to get that speed up. Like working with coaches yeah. every single day, he's going to move up. The bigger thing is that despite all of this, the books have, and like, we've been talking about it. Like I've been on shows talking about it. I was on you better, you bet. I've talked about this consistently. His prop still 22 and a half. The under is, is juiced at plus 110 on uh, MGM, the official odds provider of the action network. Wow. So for me, like, I just think Jaden Springer 22 and a half still has to be a best bet. Like, I don't think 22, like usually you want to look at the stopping point, right? Like 22. I don't like 22 because I think that there's three guys that I think the Lakers have, have penciled at 22, including Io DeSumnu. But if we move higher, I still think there's a good chance that one of those teams in the teens is going to be like, yeah, let's, let's just take Springer. Right. Cause like, yeah. I, I just go over the list of guys that are, that are mocked in the top 10 on most of the, the quote unquote big name boards. And I'm not like convinced that there's right. That these guys are, are absolutely going to go. I just don't. Well, that's, that's the problem that I was saying is like, we don't have the sixth to 10th best prospects. We have this big middle group. And to me, Springer is the exact sort of guy that I could see a Raptors or a team in that four five, six, seven range, look around and kind of be like, uh, I missed out on Mobley and green. I'm not really in love with these guys. I kind of like Springer though. And it sure looks like he's available eight, 10, 12 picks from now. Let's trade down. You know, the, the thunder have two picks. The Knicks have two picks. So that's a perfect range to pick up an asset and maybe grab Springer when it looks like he'll be available there. And if you think that if you agree with, with what we're saying that he's a top five or 10 guy, but you can get him at 15 or 20, that's a great, you know, asset play to be able to do that. He, he seems like the, a trade down candidate. Um, if we look at the guys at 15, 20, like Garuba, Kispert, I think go somewhere between 13 and 20. Uh, Kai Jones, I think can slip. Chris Duarte, I think can slip. Keon Johnson, yeah. I think probably goes somewhere between 13 and 20. Zaire Williams, I think can slip. Sharif Cooper, I think probably moves, goes higher than where his props are um, projected at. He is 22 and a half as well. I think Sharif's another good candidate to go higher. There's Springer. Jared Butler, I think is in that range. I think the Knicks are a very likely spot for Jared Butler. They, they've been linked to him for a while. There's a lot of thought that, that Jared Butler and Isaiah Jackson are going 1921. That's the two picks. Uh, some things I think the guys that are going to slip. Springer seems like a guy that's going to move up. Uh, Moses Moody. Moses Moody. Moses Moody. Little Rock Lightning. Okay, I've got a lot on Moses Moody unders, and he's sliding a little bit late in the process. I'm trying to hold the line on this. My assessment on him based off of what I've heard is high floor player. Like he's just going to be good. He's going to be good. He's going to score for you. He's going to play defense. Like you're not really there's, he's not going to be your superstar, but if you're just like, we got to nail this pick. Moses Moody is your guy. And if we've talked all the time about like in the top 10, you're shopping for a superstar. That's not what you do. And I, I get it. I just feel like somebody's going to be like, you know what? Let's just take Moody. He's the best player on the board. Like he's just better. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, he's another guy that draft Twitter is very high on. I've never been quite as high, but I agree with everything you just said. Like he's, he's young, he's long, 
his shot is pure and looks great. Like he he's the exact three and D guy that you want to slot in. And, and I think upside for more as he develops, like he could easily be a 16, 18, 20 points a game guy in time. Once, once he gets a little more opportunity, I think what you're hoping for, you know, with Moody, I'm looking for like the warriors at seven or the Kings at nine. Like I, what I'm looking for is a team in that top range who's not just like the Rockets or Magic, where it's like, well, we're not even close. We need to take a swing. Moody doesn't feel like a swing. Moody feels like like a, a, a swing for a double. Like if I'm the Warriors or Kings, I can, I can sell this as I'm going to take a guy that can fit in right now and play for my winning team right now. Let's just imagine winning with the Kings. They're going for the playoffs, though. They're trying to make a move for right now. But I, I can put him in there and then hope that he can you know, develop more later, kind of the, the Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum thing. So I, I think you can go both ways. You're shaking your head at me. What do you, why, why are you shaking your head at me on this one? I feel very confident the Kings are going to take Franz Wagner or Schengen. Those yeah. are the two, those are the two guys that are going to go there. The, the Kings are not, are going to take one of those two guys. If they do not take one of those two guys, it's because somebody that they did not think was going to fall fell to them, whether that's maybe they don't think Kaminga is going to make that may be part of this, right? It's like, they don't think Kaminga is going to be off the board. They expect Kaminga. They, they may be still operating on Kaminga is going to go five. You'd be surprised how, how much these guys don't pay attention to the conversations around the, around the draft. I, I'm not yeah. surprised by it. Cause sometimes we're just wrong. Right. Um, right. So if like, that's the case, maybe they just take Kaminga or maybe, um, you know, the conversation about Josh Giddy gets them to reevaluate Giddy and they just decide like, Ooh, we could take him. And then, you know, maybe somebody will want him or whatever else. There's a, like a lot of ways I can see them not going there, but like, I don't, I I'll say this. Like, I don't think Moses goes to the Kings at nine. I think that that's off. Yeah. And so that gets dangerous, right? His, the only thing yeah. is that his over under is 11 and a half. So at 11 and a half, you've got 10, the Grizzlies just moved to 10 and the Grizzlies are trying to move up. So, yeah. If the Grizzlies move up and they take who uh, presumably Giddy is like the guy that's like everyone, like when he went, when the Memphis moved into 10 draft express, the athletic, everybody penciled in like circled Giddy at 10. But the problem is, is like golden state likes Giddy, not as much as maybe some of the other guys, but he's on the board for them at 10 or at seven. And so if you're the, if you're the Grizzlies and you are just like, we think Giddy's the guy, you're moving up, but then somebody that moves back to 10, they're clearly not worried about getting a superstar. They're like, we just got good value on this. We got an extra player and we picked up the 10th seed and then a 10 spot uh, draft pick. And you get to take the 10th pick. And then you're like, Moses Moody feels that that works perfectly, yeah. you know? And then it gives you another, and, yeah. and even after that, you still got another pick at 11 to kind of work that right. in, get room there. Well, your, your other out with Moses Moody is this, the, the whole point of Moses Moody is that you can put him on every team in the NBA. Like the whole thing is the NBA, you need shooters that can play on the wing and play defense. So he's a potential pick for any team. Like he fits into any construct of a roster. So he gives you like a little slight extra out at all those spots. So I think that the under still makes sense. It, it is starting to squeeze a little, a little bit though, because of the, the swinging for upside nature at the top of the draft. You've got Garuba in a, like the and as like a top like, uh, at the higher level of this draft. Yeah. Go ahead and talk about Garuba for yeah. a minute. I, I like Garuba best out of the three international guys. And it's partly Garuba. It's partly that I'm just a little bit underwhelmed by, by both Giddy and by Schengen. But 
What I, uh, Garuba reminds me a ton of Serge Ibaka, and I'm hoping that that's not just because he's like a Spanish power forward and he's literally playing on the Olympics team right now, which I think speaks to how good of a player you are at 19. Spain is good. Like Spain might win the gold. If USA doesn't, they're probably the favorite. So Garuba, it, it, I, I think, is probably the best defender in the draft right now. He's going to be a, a, a classic four that can play the five, just kind of like Ibaka eventually was. He's a monster shot blocker. He's, he moves really smoothly laterally, so he's going to be able to switch and defend on the perimeter while also protecting the rim. Um, on offense, he's definitely going to be like a play finisher type. Like he, He's a center on offense. He's going to play in the dunker spot, but I, I like that he kind of moves naturally. He gets into easy spots for good buckets. He doesn't really like being a center on offense it is kind of like, you know, not a good thing uh, the way that we would say that, but he, he uses that ability. Well, he can pass on the short roll a little bit. Like he can do enough on offense to be able to fit that. Well, what I'm bummed about is to me, like more and more NBA teams have, you know, that the Jokic or towns or, you know, Vucevic that like that offensively skilled center, but you need some help at the four. I would love one of those teams to get their hands on Usman Garuba. I'm a Timberwolves fan. I would, I would kill to have Garuba next to towns on my team. I think that's a perfect fit. And there are more and more teams like that. He'd be great with Evan Mobley. He'd be great with, you know, Chet Holmgren, who's one of the favorites for next year's number one pick. We're getting more skilled seven foot dudes who are going to be offensive centers. And I I think Garuba just fits really well what the modern NBA defense looks like. So that's why I like him a lot. Yeah, you're out there on him. I'll say that. Uh, let's talk Giddy. So Giddy is risen is the is the late riser. Uh, he is yeah. now at BetMGM. The over under is as ten and a half. The under is minus two hundred. Wow. I think uh, there's probably still value at minus two hundred on Giddy. I know that sounds crazy because this is a draft and anything can happen and teams can do unpredictable things. I just think that there's, here's a lot of it. Uh, there's been, you don't want to get caught up in my opinion on like Patrick Williams is, is one of these where last year he was a guy that, that rose very late and we, he was in my props article. We advised the under on him and he went to the bulls at four. A, a lot of it was, it wasn't just the bulls. It was the bulls like him, yeah. the pistons like him, like, there was about, I think I remember four different teams really liked him with Giddy. It's the same thing where you hear that, like the Raptors really like Giddy. Would I be blown away if the Raptors took him at four? No, if they don't get another pick and they're just like, they go for the highest upside. I would not be shocked to see Giddy go four. Um, these guys can slide, right? Uh, OKC at six, which we'll talk about in a second before we get out of here. Uh, I think they're, somebody that like I will not remove entirely from the equation for Giddy warriors at seven is definitely in play. And then the rest of it is it's Orlando again at eight, which they might trade Um, nine. I don't think so. Like we talked about, I think the, I think the magic are zeroed in on Wagner or uh, Shangun, but at 10 and a half, you've still got the Grizzlies if they don't move up, he's probably going to the Grizzlies at 10. So even at minus 200, I, mean, I know you hate paying the juice, but I, I think Josh Giddy at minus 200, if you can get it anywhere else, I think it's probably worth it. The problem is I think you're going to have a hard time finding a number that's like 
that you're going to get the kind of yeah. price that you want on it. Like he's higher. He's minus 205 in another book I'm looking at. 10, and it's, he's priced at 10 and a half everywhere right now. Yeah, I don't I don't like the juice and I'm I'm not totally sold on Giddy. Uh, just my, my quick case against him is this. He's an incredible passer. You make every angle, every creative pass, all, all the passing and vision and know how on the game. Brilliant. I don't trust him as a shooter. I don't trust him as a scorer. And I don't think he defends. So we're back to that sort of player, like the thing that we everyone thought Lamella was going to be, but he turned out to be a much better scorer and a little better defender. The thing that people thought, think, you know, still think that Rubio kind of is, but Rubio's a, a pretty solid defender also. Um, but like that, that's my concern. However, he's very young. He can improve in a lot of those areas and he has a lot of those. You can't teach it sort of things about him. Here's the case for the Giddy under beyond all the things you said. Every NBA team right now is watching the Olympics and watching the finals we just saw and watching the MVP race we just saw. And what are they seeing? International ball is taking over. No NBA team, every team is terrified of missing the next great Euro star. If you're an NBA GM, you're trying to keep your job and, and make sure that you don't miss out on that next Euro star. And right now, Giddy is the hot name. And he's the like, oh, it's the next big wing passer from Europe. Like, oh, look at Luka Doncic lighting up the Olympics right now. This, this is like, it's almost like there's a pure pressure to don't be the one that screwed up and, and passed on the next Euro star. And I think that that is going to, to push Giddy up the boards. And I still, I don't want to pay the 200, the minus 200 on the juice. But to me, that's the case. I think Ford is just the international star, these guys are going to go higher, I think, than they should have because people don't want to miss them. What is the most you will pay on juice, Brandon? What is the most you will pay? Well, so it, it depends on the sort of the sort of bet. Like on props this year, I would do minus 120, 150, 175 and not think twice. The difference on props is it's a math game to me. And it's yeah. like, okay, what's the percentage this is hitting versus what's the percentage implied on just a straight, like, does this thing happen? Yeah. I, I don't have any idea how to, how to place in my mind. Will Giddy 67% or better be into the top right. 10? Right. I have no way to measure that. And so yeah. I don't know. That's like the, that's the risk. I just, I, I'll say that. Yeah, like, I, I would, I would rather take my, my one bet at the minus 200 and bet like two half units on like the 35 to one K to go number two. And just like, I, I just would rather do that and, and hope that I eventually hit a couple. It's just not worth looking, it for me always, to, to get my always, minus 200. You're always looking for the big one. Uh, well, I am. Book, book night. Yeah. It's frustrating to me. I don't understand why this like, okay, here, here's kind of the deal with book night. Um, Book Knight had an incredible workout, one on O, I should mention, a one on O workout with a bunch of people in attendance at the combine and blew a bunch of people away. And, and a Here's chair, what I've got. There a chair involved? Uh, <laughs> you were the second person that made the Yijian Ling comparison <laughs> when I've talked about this. Um, so he does this workout. The analytics hate him. He shot 30% from three last year. There's no evidence that he's going to be like a really quality shooter mathematically. So there's, they don't like him from that perspective. You're talking about a guard that can't shoot. Draft Twitter is not high on him. The consultants I've talked to are not high on him. Every exec I've talked to is very high on him, extremely high. He has publicly said he had dinner with Sam Presti, which has a lot of people being like penciling him in at six. His over under is six and a half. 
this is I I I will ultimately tell you that I think this is a stay away. That it's six and a half. It's the under is minus one thirty five. The over is plus one ten. I will ultimately say that I think this is a stay away because the noise is so strong on him. I can't recommend the under, but all of my analysis or analysis based sources say over a lot of it comes down to, okay, he's not going one. He's not going two. He's not going three. He's not going four. When we get to five, maybe like maybe the magic go in another direction and, and they go five. Maybe Barnes falls and Book Knight jumps over, over, over Barnes. There's an assumption for him at six, which I hate. Six is OKC. Two things. One, the worst kept secret is that OKC, like a lot of teams, like a lot of teams, but more especially OKC, desperately wants to move up. Like they want, they want a top four pick. They, are, they don't want. 1800 picks they'd rather move up and get a better one and so they've offered like a lot of stuff to try and move up okay and if somebody does somebody trade down to take book night i have a hard time seeing it it's not impossible but i have a hard time seeing it like you could just if you're four or five just take Suggs or barnes yeah if you're three and you're the Cavs who have talked about moving down, you trade down and you're losing Sexton and you get book night. And so then it becomes just like OKC. OKC's draft room, I think, is tighter than any others in the league. There's less intel coming out of there than anything. There's people in that, like most people in the Thunder organization don't have any idea. They're just, it's sectioned off. Like the draft talk is like purposely, their war room is purposefully quarantined, not from the usual sense these days, but to make sure that leaks don't get out, there's just like not a lot of information. So you don't have any sort I don't have any sort like, I don't, tr- you're, you're basing it off of, he went to dinner with Sam Presti. Sam Presti's going to telegraph what he does. That doesn't sound right. So like, I'm more concerned about Kaminga at six than book night. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree a hundred percent. Everything that you just said, book night 6.5 makes no sense to me. We, we, ha- we talked for like 10 minutes a while ago about how we know what the top five guys are. Five is only one less than six. All that leaves left is one spot for book night to sneak in. And it, it doesn't make sense. He doesn't make sense to Oklahoma city. It doesn't make sense that we would know of all teams, the thunders pick. That's just not a thing that has ever happened. That's you know, they, they, they make out their picks every time that we never see coming every, like it's such an obvious, such a clear play that it makes me not want to play it because it just, it seems like, like when you look at a thing and you're like, Hey guys, free money, free money on book night over 6.5. This, this screams free money to me and free money is never free. I'm seeing like the, the, the meme it's a trap. Like I, it, it looks so easy and so clear to me that I'm just like, you know what? Maybe they know about a trade up that's lined up. Maybe I don't know what somebody knows, but it's more than I know. And uh, I just, everything it's like, that is such a strong play that it makes no sense. And I, I can't, I can't do it. Is there to bore you out of there? Are there any other props that you really feel strongly about? 
you know, things that have been, they, they keep moving around so much that I, I don't know if I have another one that jumps out to me because the numbers keep moving around. I have them. Um, definitely, <laughs> de- definitely Springer is one that I'll be looking at. Um, I, I've got to look a little bit more today because I, I you know, I have, to, I have to be careful with the guys I really like versus it yeah. doesn't matter who I like. It just right. matters what the NBA is going to actually do. So I've got to be careful with that. I've been doing a lot of my personal mock mock board and everything. So who else do you like? Uh, Dosunmu has Dosunmu has an over under of twenty six and a half. Io has has twenty six and a half. Yeah. I think that's an under. Uh, my understanding there was word earlier in the week that he doesn't get past twenty two with the Lakers. However, however, there are two other names that are associated with the Lakers right now. So that like <clears throat> maybe they liked him and moved on. And that may just be agent noise. Uh, I do think that your gap there, I, I want some cushion with all these. So if I hear like, hey, teams 19 and 20 and 22 like him, then at that point, uh, if my number is 26 and a half, I've still got four more spots. And that gives me like a little bit of a breathing room. Um, Isaiah Jackson is his over under is 20 and a half. I think probably over it's juiced at minus 120. Uh, <clears throat> I think he's more likely to go Knicks at 21 than he is anything higher. I just don't think bigs are going to be in that big of a demand this year. I think we're but just... What if, what if the Knicks take him at 19, though? That's the problem there. Because if we think the Knicks are taking him, which order do they take those two in? Well, I guess, like, here's the question is... Uh, man, Butler's not on the board at, at BetMGM. That's a pain. Um, Butler's also... We love you, BetMGM. But well, no, he's off the board everywhere. Jared Butler is off the board. Oh. Uh, is yeah, the, well, he's he's got board. he's got some some injury red flags. I think that was scaring some teams away. So I wonder if that's the reason he's off the board. No, there's well, he does. Yeah, he does have an injury concern. That's true. He does have another injury concern that's like going to cause some issues. Um, I think with his his stock. But I, I would say that like if you like the under on Isaiah Jackson, you should go over on Jared Butler. If you like the uh. Yeah. Uh, under on Jared Butler, you should like the over on Isaiah Jackson. I'm not saying that that teams lower can't reach for those guys. I would just like they are most associated with those guys. Um, so I think those are good. I think Corey Kispert at 13 and a half is too sharp. His over is juiced minus 165. I wouldn't be shocked if he went higher. I, I think he profiles pretty well. Uh, Duarte is slid. He was being talked about as a, like a potential lottery pick. I think he's sliding. I think one of the reasons is because Davion Mitchell is sliding too. Um, Davion Mitchell is his over under is 12 and a half. Uh, the 12 and a half is plus 100. I'm going to bet the over it at plus 100. Um, yeah, I, I think my, my general MO when I'm looking for plays right now is going to be looking for guys in that, like where their over under is somewhere in like the six to 20 range. And I'm looking for overs just because my general MO is that this is just going to be wonky. Guys are going to go all over the place. So I'm looking for that like six to 25 range and thinking that the guys projected at the back of it might go sooner. And especially that the guys earlier might end up going later. I just think it's going to be a a weird mix in the middle of of the first round. I don't know how to pronounce this gentleman's name and I apologize. I need to learn these things before the draft. I understand that this is a personal failing that I'm admitting to. Um, Rokas Jokubaitis. Jokubaitis is is how I've heard it. I think. Jokubaitis. Yeah. Uh, His over-under is 43 and a half. He's got a first round interest. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like the under on that one. I, I I've seen him in a lot of like high second rounders where a lot of international kind of draft and stash guys, which I think he might be as well. So 
Trey man, Trey man, 24 and a half is too sharp. I think he's a great shooter. I think whoever gets him is going to get a good pick, but I think the 24 and a half is too sharp. I think he's right in that range. Like I wouldn't be shocked if he went 26 to the nuggets. That would be, and I don't like the over enough because I think he is the, maybe the best shooter of, of that group. Um, Primo is an interesting one at 27 and a half. He's juiced both sides. Even, um, I think that that, that one, the under, I think is kind of interesting. I think Primo might go a little yeah. higher. You like him too. Youngest player in the draft too. Uh, no, I actually don't. I, I just don't know enough about him. I never thought he was a draft prospect and then he declared much earlier than I thought, but youngest guy. So there's definitely upside there. Uh, JT Thor is my last one uh, under 31 and a half. I'm going to bet. I yeah. Think. I love JT Thor. I've got him near lottery for me. He's definitely not going to go near lottery, but I can see some like Pascal Siakam development curve there. Uh, just a guy with a lot of like defensive skills, like a, a deep tool set. So uh, yeah, I definitely am looking at his under for sure. All right, it's going to wrap it up for the Action Network NBA Draft Preview. Thank you for joining us. You can follow Brandon in all his props and everything, his NFL coverage and everything else in the Action Network. We will talk to you guys again next time. But first, heads up, several new podcasts are debuting next week from the Action Network, including one dedicated just for NBA betting. So to hear me and the rest of our crew going forward, you need to subscribe to a new podcast debuting next week. It'll be called Buckets. But we'll announce and make that official announcement right here on the Action Network podcast feed next week. And we'll get you guys a link so you can subscribe and not miss an episode. Stay tuned.